0: I want to look at uh, several scriptures. (laughs) Matthew 12, we looked at this last week, I want to look at it again. uh, Verse 33 says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good person out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things." And an evil person out of the evil treasure of the heart brings forth evil things. Then come with me to. where do I want to go Ephesians chapter 3 we've looked at this a lot. We'll, we're actually going to second Peter in a minute but right now Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, watch this, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner person. That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted in ground and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and be, uh, all that you ask or think, according to the power that works in us. And then finally, come with me to Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Watch this. As his divine power. Now, where did Paul just say in Ephesians that power is? Yes. In you. As his divine power has given us all things. Now, my Bible says that pertain to, but it's in italics, which means it's not in the original text. So it actually reads this way. He has given to us all things, life and godliness. What tense is has given? Watch this. Has given all things, life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which you have been given exceeding great and precious promises, That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. You may be partaking, participating, might be a better word, you might be participating in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That will mess up your prayer life completely. Because either you believe that verse of Scripture, either you believe that, or you don't. So either all things have already been given to you, everything that you need has already been given to you. God has already said yes, if you will, to every prayer you've ever prayed in your life. Mm -hmm. So the question becomes, where is it? See, the problem is, it's not out here in front of you, in this 3D world. It's locked up inside you, In the power, in the glory, and in the virtue, and the way you access it is through knowledge. See, that's the problem. <laughs> Hosea said, and I know people, we quote this out of context, but everybody does it. <laughs> and the principle is true. My people are destroyed, why? For lack of knowledge. So here's what I want you to get. Everything you need, everything you want, everything you desire... God has already granted to you. God has already given it to you, but He's given it to you in the form of power for you as a partaker of your own divine nature to create and manifest it in your world for yourself. (laughs) Because truly God wants to raise you up and train you how to be God. For yourself. How to be a partaker of the divine nature. That's what Peter says. That you might be a partaker of the divine nature. So I want to talk to you this morning about your undiscovered self. (laughs) Because for most of us, we live in what they call in spiritual circles, the ego. I don't really like that terminology and, and the way that works out, but why fight the current? So here's what the ego is. The ego is a false sense of self that is created by your own thinking and feeling that causes you to experience yourself as a fragment, as a separate self, as something other than God. As something other than other human beings. So when you have the experience that you've just kind of been dumped here. (laughs) You're just kind of floating through life, trying to figure things out, oftentimes feeling hopeless, oftentimes feeling powerless, and trying to connect to the omnipotence of God, somehow... Somewhere, the old man who looks like ZZ Top in the sky. Charlton Heston. Heston. We all have our own version, I guess. And that's part of the problem. Over and over again, even though, even though there are what theologians call anthropomorphic images of God, meaning God as a human being in the Bible, we are told in several places that God is not a man. God is not a man that he should lie. Jesus tells a woman at the well, God is spirit, and those who worship or serve God must do it where? In spirit and in truth, not in a temple, not in... in All these various different forms. But we have really made God in our own image and exalted this image of some man in the sky who operates like we do. And it's a false image. And so that's that's also the ego. So the ego is this separate self, so it creates a God that is a separate self, instead of a God that is all-pervasive. Paul told the, the the group at Athens in Acts 17, he said, In Him we live and move and have our being, and we are all His offspring. He's telling that to unbelievers. And so Peter's saying, and Paul's saying in Ephesians, God does exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all you can ask or think, what, according to... The power that's working in you, not, not, no separation there. The power that's working in you, that God would strengthen your inner person with, with, with power and might, right? Yes. That all things that pertain, that all things, not, not pertain, it's not in the original text, all things, life and godliness, has already been given to you in the power that you are already connected to. The problem is you don't know it. <laughs> So escaping from the egoic mind means that I have to change the way I think and feel about myself. The way I believe about myself. The way I talk about myself. The way I see myself and the part that I play in my own reality. In my own answered prayer. In my own miracle and in someone else's miracle. that if you are if you are not if but because let's say it that way because you sitting right there or watching whatever because you are a child of God God dwells inside you God's power is inside you and the treasure is inside you if the good person out of the good treasure of their heart brings forth good things then everything for your future you're already connected to See, there has to be an unplugging and a dismantling of every aspect of separation. You are not separate from your past, present, and future. (laughs) They all exist as a reality right now in the present moment inside you. Past, present, and future. You're not disconnected from your future. It's not something you have to get. It's not something you have to hope for. It's not something you have to wait for. It's something you have to access that's already been deposited as the treasure that God put inside of you. Or could I say this? That God is inside of you. you got to quit giving your power away to the old man in the sky that doesn't exist. (laughs) And realize that you are permeated. That that you are permeated by the power of God. You are permeated by the presence of God. That in the power and the wisdom and the love and the presence of God, you live and move and have your being every second, every day, every moment of your life. That's why the psalmist could say that he is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Because there's nowhere, as, as David said... That you can go from his presence. If you ascend into heaven, he's there. If you go down to the pit of Sheol or hell, He even even there is God. And all the energies then are, are are created by Him and are existing for Him. And you and I have the opportunity to tap into those things when we can discover who we really are. And that's what we need a revelation of. That's what we need to wake up to is who we really are. And you see it over and over again in the Gospels. Jesus was never trying to impress people with who He was. In fact, when other people would try to take Him and say, we're going to make you king by force, (laughs) it says He wouldn't allow it. And He withdrew Himself. Think about that. They went to take Him and make Him king by force. He would not allow it. And watch this. He withdrew Himself. That's the opposite of what we do in the church today why do you not reveal yourself publicly the disciples asked at the end of his ministry why do you make yourself known to us but not in publicly why did he talk to the people in parables but only to his disciples did he explain the parables why did he say that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they might hear and not understand you ever ask yourself those questions it's the exact opposite of evangelicalism. we got to get out there so people can see it. we got to get out there so they can hear. We've got to send missionaries around the world so they can hear. And Jesus said, I'm speaking to them in parables so they can't hear. If we lift him up, then he will draw all men to himself. And when they tried to lift him up, he withdrew himself. Because over and over and over again, what Jesus is doing is He's awakening the power within you. Why does He tell a blind man, this is just rude, but I want you to think about some of the miracles that He does. The guy's born blind. He puts mud in his eye, so chances are pretty good he didn't have eyeballs. Now think about this. You're blind. Here comes the rabbi and he adds insult to injury by spitting and making a mud pie and shoving it in your eye sockets. And then has the audacity to tell you, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Like how the hell is he supposed to get to the pool of Siloam? Like what kind of a gentleman doesn't Take the blind person by the hand. I mean, this would be us to, oh, you poor dear. Let me help you find your way to the pool. John 5, Jesus walks up to a man who's on a mat. Says, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? Not, I want you to be well. That's my will for you, my child. He says, do you want to be well? And the man says, yes, but I have nobody watch the victim mentality. Yes, because the the angel would come down and stir the waters and the first person in the pool got healed. What kind of angel is that? I'm just saying. We're going to come down and stir the waters and see, watch them scramble like ants to see who gets in first. You're definitely not favoring the paraplegic. Or the blind, frankly, for that matter. Right? So he thought, oh, I have no one to, to pull me into the waters. And Jesus is so rude, he just looks at the man and says, take up your bed and walk. Like, how do you look at a guy who's lame, feeling sorry for himself, and you just say, take up your bed and walk? What, what's he doing over and over and over again? Daughter, 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 he's reconnecting her to her identity. The woman with the issue of blood, she could not be connected to the community. Daughter implies relationship, acceptance, and connection to family. Daughter, thy faith has made you whole, now go and you be made well. You see what he's doing? See, we think that it's all about just exalting Jesus, and we can exalt Jesus and get connected to Jesus sometimes, but Jesus is doing the exact opposite. What He's trying to do over and over again is get people to discover the treasure that's inside of them, to get them to connect to the to what's inside of them, to the power inside of them, to who they really are. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah reincarnated. Some say you're one of the prophets. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter stands up and he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus, Jesus did not say, Yes. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Yes, go and tell your neighbor that I am the Savior, the Son of the living God. Yes, go have a council and decide that I am God, light of very light, God of very God, true light of true light, whatever the Nicene Creed says. He didn't do any of that. He immediately looked in Peter and said, Blessed are you. Watch this. Simon, Barjona, Simon, son of the dove. And I say to you that you... Are the rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What does he start doing? He reveals the moment Peter gets a revelation of who he is. He reveals to Peter who he is and what he can do. When Paul's on the road to Damascus, is on the road to Damascus, and he sees Jesus. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you persecute. And you are my chosen vessel. And I will deliver you from the Jews and the Gentiles to whom I will send you. What does he start doing? He starts revealing to Paul who he is. When Peter gets the revelation of who Jesus is, Jesus doesn't elaborate on it. He gives Peter a revelation of who he is. Why? did I mean, it's crazy. This is so crazy to me. In John's Gospel, the back to the man with the mud in his eyes, trying, <laughs> trying to find the pool. He finds the pool and he washes. And who? It's such a beautiful story. He's born blind. He's never seen anything. So if Jesus just opens his eyes, Jesus will be the first person that he sees. That's what an evangelical would think. He doesn't even tell him who he is, because later the Pharisees ask, who who healed you? Who did this miracle? I, I have no idea who did it. All I know was I was blind, and now I see. Oh, but we come in the name of Jesus, you have to believe in the name of Jesus. Jesus didn't do any of that. And why did the man have to go wash? Because if Jesus would have healed him, just poof, healed him like that, Jesus would have been the first person he saw. But he wanted the man who was born blind, the first face he would ever look into was his own reflection in the pool of Siloam. So that I was blind, I couldn't see myself, but now I could see myself. And then he used it to teach an entire spiritual principle. (laughs) The power came out of him. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Simon, you are Peter. Paul, you are my chosen vessel. We have flipped the thing around. Jesus came as the example and we made him the exception. He came as the ideal and we turned him into an idol. Yes. We exalted him when he's trying to withdraw himself. The works that I do, you shall continue to ask me in my name and if you beg and plead and call the prayer tower and get a prayer cloth and send your money, then do a greater work, the works that I do and greater works shall you do. Is that what he said? Whoever believes in me, if you keep asking me, I will do it for you in Jesus in my name. That's not what he said. He said, the works that I do, you shall do also. And greater works shall you do, because I'm going away. <sighs> do you get it? Because I'm going away. Because you won't be looking at me anymore. You won't be looking at me as your source. You won't be codependent on me anymore. You'll understand that you have a treasure inside of you. That, 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 I, that in the same way Jesus said, I and the Father are one, you can say, I and the Father are one. In the same way that Jesus could say all things have been delivered into my hand by my Father, you can say all things have been delivered into my hand by my Father. What if you started thinking about yourself that way? What if you quit thinking about yourself as dependent and less than and other than and and, and 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 ashamed and wrong and broken and in need of mercy and in need of salvation? And if you what if what if that's what if that's none of what Jesus came to do? What if Jesus came to awaken the divine nature that was laying dormant within you? What if he came to uncover the treasure within you? What if the treasure in the field is your undiscovered self that the man tripped over and for the joy thereof sold everything. Why? Because when you understand and discover your undiscovered self and you realize it's a treasure, you sell everything else you ever knew about yourself. You sell off shame. You sell off guilt. You sell off condemnation. You sell off playing small and believing horrible things about yourself because now you've seen the treasure of the kingdom of who you are. And so Peter could say, all things have been given unto you. Peter could say, all things have been given to you by the divine power that is in you and that you are connected with. The problem is you haven't discovered it yet and you haven't got any clue how to turn it loose. But the moment you do, Jesus can say, you go out and heal the sick. Jesus could say, I am the light of the world. Look at me, but don't look at me and hold me up as an idol. Realize, you are the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth, but realize you are the salt of the earth. I'm healing the sick, but realize I'm sending you to heal the sick. I'm sending you to set the captives free. but we're stuck in these feedback loops of shame. We're stuck in these feedback loops of guilt. We're stuck in these feedback loops of I'm not enough and I'm not good enough and I'm hopeless and I'm powerless and I'm helpless and I can't change anything and I'm stuck and I'm trapped because you haven't discovered who you are. And if you think you're communing with Christ... And you're hearing voices of condemnation, you are communing with your own shadow self and mistaking it as the voice of Christ. If you think you're communing with Christ and you're only hearing about how great Jesus is, you are communing not, you are communing with a collective thought form created by a collective consciousness That responds according to the energy of millions of people. That Jewish mystics had a term for. Doesn't matter. But you're not connecting with the energy of the Spirit. You're not connecting with the energy of your divine nature because Jesus always reveals you to you. Jesus never holds himself up as the exception. He says, what I have done, you can do also. And until you have confidence that the miracle is in you, that the power is in you, that the future is in you, that the, that you are connected to it and it's in you and and, the, and nothing's going to happen until you do something. Nothing's going to happen until you do something. Nothing's going to change in your life until you change something. If it's going to be, it's up to me. Mm -hmm. The problem is, we haven't connected with the undiscovered self yet. We have this undiscovered self. And if you're reading Scripture properly, you're not reading it as a rule book. You're not even reading it to find out what God is like. You are reading it to raise your consciousness and discover who you are what you have, and what you can do. And that is the fruit and the end result of true, authentic communion with the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Truth, who is the all-pervasive presence, in whom you live and move and have your being every moment of your life. But you have to renounce yourself. You have to renounce yourself. You have to take up your cross and follow Jesus. What, what does that mean? That means I, if I, I have to renounce knowing myself as a separate entity. I have to renounce knowing myself as shameful. I have to renounce knowing myself as guilty. I have to renounce knowing myself as I'm not enough. I have to renounce knowing myself as worthless. I have to renounce knowing myself as disconnected. I have to renounce the way I try to separate myself from my brothers and sisters in humanity through my own, whatever. I have to renounce every frame of separation. I have to forget the person that I was so that I might discover the person that I am. Yeah, good. And why the cross? See, what we've done... Can you see what we've done? And I really do believe there are, there are powers, controlling powers that want to oppress the image of God in humanity and don't want you to wake up and realize who you are, that wants to keep you dependent upon themselves, dependent upon their teaching, dependent upon their anointing, dependent upon their authority, dependent upon their salvation, dependent upon their word, whatever the case may be, dependent upon their control because you are not enough and you cannot be enough and you cannot do enough. And Jesus is the antithesis of that. And Christ is in you. So anything that suppresses... Listen to me. Christ is in you, right? Colossians 1.27. Romans 8. The Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you and gives life to your mortal bodies. Christ is in you, right? So anything that suppresses your undiscovered self, watch this, is an antichrist spirit and they even mistranslated in your bible i got news for you the antichrist doesn't show up in the book of revelation religion wants to take away your future Religion wants to take away your power Religion wants to take away your dignity Religion wants to take away your mind and thinking for yourself And critical thinking and questioning Religion wants to take away your life experiences Religion wants to take away your will Religion wants to take away your desires And tell you that they're all evil and shameful Religion wants to take away your power And tell you if you stand up for yourself You're operating in a wrong spirit Religion wants to make you feel angry for every human impulse. To completely dehumanize you and strip you, and it's all Antichrist. There's only one writer in the Bible, only one, only one writer, I promise you, who uses the word Antichrist. Guess who it is? John the Apostle. Same one on the Isle of Patmos that wrote the book of Revelation, but you know he doesn't put the word Antichrist in the book of Revelation. I mean, this nonsense, these horror movies that we have created from pulpits for people in the collective consciousness of evangelicals telling them that Jesus is going to abandon them. or Not, not, not them, take them, but abandon the, the world. My son, my son asked me the other day, Josiah, what's the rapture? And Julie answers, she says, Well, it's a belief that Jesus is going to come, take away only those that believe in him, and abandon everybody else to hardship and suffering. And he said, That's mean. <laughs> he said, Jesus wouldn't do that, huh, Daddy? Jesus loves everybody, huh, Daddy? Yes, son? Out of the mouth of babes, right? But instead, we have given people trauma and preyed upon their fears of abandonment, preyed on the fear of the unknown, and been collectively wrong decade after decade after decade, date setting after date setting after date setting. But somehow, we're able to keep people on that religious treadmill. You know where he uses the word Antichrist? In 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And religion has twisted the Greek translation. The spirit of the Antichrist, if you look it up, denies that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That Jesus, yeah, right? that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And you think he's talking about the Jesus of history because they don't bring out the Greek tenses. Literally, the spirit of Antichrist is anything that denies that Jesus Christ is here in your flesh. So anything that tells you that you're anything less than the Christ is being authored by a spirit of Antichrist. That's your Bible. So what we've done, if we've said somehow God is that angry old man in the sky that put a premium on suffering, (laughs) Like, like, like the world is boot camp for heaven, we're going to put you through all kinds of trials and tribulations. The more suffering and the more trial, the more you sacrifice, the better off you're going to be. The more rewards you're going to have in the sweet by and by. Religion is the only company in the world that's selling a product that you can't have. Until you die, and by then it's too late for a return, return or refund or a... Can I have my money back? Can I have my time back? Can I have my life back? Better do it now. Watch what Paul says. So we've said we've said religion has said, so you gotta you gotta carry your cross. So you've got sickness in your body, that's your cross to bear. You got a kid on drugs, that's your cross to bear. Somebody doesn't like your work, that's your cross to bear. Got to deny yourself, brother. So people could say God does not want you to be happy. Life isn't about being happy. Life's about serving God. Everybody, anybody ever heard anything like that? Life's not about pleasing yourself. Life's about pleasing God. You couldn't even make that statement without separation, because guess what? In your essence, you are God. And what pleases you the most deeply and profoundly is what pleases God the most deeply and profoundly because there is no separation or division. He that is joined with the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Hmm. All right. So really what they're saying is give up your happiness, give up your time, give up your money, give up your energy to promote our thing. And so all we've done is like the nation of Israel, we've anointed a bunch of King Sauls who will take our strength to empower themselves. When Jesus came and modeled a model of leadership that says, I will take my strength and pour it out and give it to others so that they can become stronger in themselves. Not so that they become dependent upon me. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away... You will discover the Comforter, the Spirit, the same connection to God, the same power, the same wisdom. Everything that I have, you'll discover that you have. That it's already inside you. But to do that, you have to deny yourself. Let me read you this. Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write these same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. (laughs) For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. What does it mean, have no confidence in the flesh? You're not talking about your body. Watch, it's very clear. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks they may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Watch this. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews, he's talking about himself. But he's talking about his identity, his sense of self that came to him from living in this world. What they call in spiritual circles, the ego. A Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is from the law, blameless. Watch this. But what things were gained to me, what things were added to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. What Christ? What Christ? See, I came into this world and this world taught me that this is who I am and these are the laws that I have to obey and these are the rules that I have to follow and these are my limitations and this is where I fit into my society and this is who I am and I've been playing my part. I played my part so perfectly that I had so much zeal. I was persecuting the church. I had so much passion for the Word of God that I obeyed it blamelessly. I played the role perfectly, but I had to lose all of that. I had to denounce and renounce all of that. I had to disown all of that and give all of that up. Why? That I might gain Christ. What Christ? The undiscovered Christ in Him. His own undiscovered self who was the Christ in Him, the hope of glory. He had to lose, He had to shed Himself from all the externals of this world to discover the treasure and the glory and the virtue of Christ that was in Him. To discover the power that was already in him to discover that all things had already been given to him and so that he could say if it's going to be it's up to me <laughs> uh, yes. you see it mm-hmm. yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence watch this of the knowledge of Christ not for Christ of the knowledge of Christ Jesus right. not for Christ Jesus For the knowledge of Christ Jesus, the same knowledge that He had, let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not think it robbery to be equal with God. (laughs) He didn't think He was taking something that didn't belong to Him by saying, I and the Father are one. So He's not saying I had to sacrifice everything so I could gain Jesus in my heart. That's nowhere in the Bible. He's saying, I'm discovering that I'm every bit as much the Christ as Jesus was the Christ. And so I had to suffer all things so that the same knowledge and the same mind that was in Him could be in me. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish... That I may gain Christ and be found in Him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith. Watch this. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death if by any means I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. In other words, renounce yourself and take up your cross because on the other side of the cross is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. On the other side of this journey of self-renunciation, when you renounce everything about yourself that's not like Jesus, when you renounce everything about yourself that's not like Christ, when you renounce everything about yourself that isn't a God in human form, you awaken the Christ within. And then you realize, my future is mine for the taking, and I have the power to get where I want to be. I don't have to be subjected to the powers and principalities of this world. He's not talking about demon spirits, by the way. Principalities and powers were the governmental representations of Rome and Greece who believed they were the earthly representation of their own pantheons. That'll take a while for you to figure that out. But basically... Sorry. But basically, the the power structures that are controlling you elephants and donkeys, Catholics and Presbyterians, Pentecostals, whatever. Family messages, shame-based messages, disempowering messages, advertising messages that make you feel like you're not enough unless you buy their product. Those are the principalities and powers that we're wrestling with. Not some sinister organized force in heaven that couldn't possibly organize itself because to be demonic is to be selfish. It's not to serve. How in the world could Satan organize himself? All those controlling forces that are vying for your attention and agreement. Because see, if I agree that I'm powerless, if I agree that I'm helpless... If I agree that I'm dependent on a force outside myself to get to where I want to be. That your miracle is already inside you. Your healing is already inside you. Your blessing is already inside you. Your prosperity is already inside you. The desires of your heart and the fulfillment of those desires in the future are already inside of you. Wow. And the main thing that prevents you from turning it loose is this belief that you're dependent on someone else or something else. Yeah. To fix it. But the moment you wake up and realize it's all inside of me, the power to get it is all inside of me, the power to obtain it is all inside of me, the pathway to obtaining it is all inside of me, I just have to learn how to turn it loose. Now you're no longer disconnected from it. And the moment you're not disconnected from it, guess what? You've received it. We fight it, we put out resistance and fight against so many different things. Because we believe we're just that dangling fragment out there. Instead of realizing, I am an expression of my Father in heaven. I am an expression of the divine. I'm an extension. Let's do it that way. I am an extension of the divine in human form who has bought into an illusion and forgotten who I am. And the key to all of it is waking up to the fact that the God I've been praying to all this time is me. Yes. I, this I know this sounds blasphemous. I, I know it does. I know people are, are running like cockroaches from a light right now from this place and some of the stuff that I'm saying but I got to believe again John St. John the anointing that you have received of him abides within you oh wait a minute because I was taught in charismania that if we sang the wrong song we scared the anointing off How how many remember that? We sang the wrong song and grieved the Holy Spirit and now the power was pulled back. I was taught I had to pray. I was taught I had to fast. I was taught I had to get people to lay hands on me. I Receive I want the anointing you have, brother. I want the mantle of remember all that nonsense? I want the mantle of Smith Williams. I want the mantle of Mariah Woodworth Edder. I want the mantle of Catherine Everybody Everybody's going after mantles. And what does John say? The anointing that you have received of him abideth within you, and you need not that any man should teach you. Talk about a level of self-confidence that you can come into. And you need not that any man should teach you. But as the, but the same anointing that abides within you, it will teach you all things. Proverbs says, Counsel in the heart of a person is like deep water. And a man of understanding draws it out. What's that mean? That means inside your own consciousness, you have the answer to every problem you're facing. (laughs) Inside your own mind is the solution to every situation you will ever face. And a good counselor does not know you better than you know yourself or know what you should do for yourself better than you should know for yourself and certainly isn't there to judge you for the way you're living your life and the decisions that you're making. A good counselor is able to help you wade through all the nonsense of belief and masks that you've been wearing and reach down deep, help you reach down deep into the well and reservoir of your own heart because you are enough. You are enough. You have enough. The answers are within you. The wisdom The wisdom is within you, the power is within you, the knowledge is within you, the anointing is within you. You need not that any man should teach you, but the anointing can teach you all things. And the answer to your problem is just buried somewhere deep in your consciousness. And the best anybody can do is awaken what's already inside you, which is exactly what Jesus did. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go and be made well of your plague. Go wash in the pool of siloam. You are Peter and on this rock. See, he keeps he keeps drawing out what's there, awakening you to the what's inside you, helping you discover your own undiscovered self. What if you just started believing I am enough? I have enough. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. Not even myself. You wouldn't believe how many people are still trying to prove something to their mom and dad. And their mom and dad are pushing up daisies. But they're still being driven like that small child didn't perform well enough. And they're trying to prove something. Instead of just understanding, you are enough. You have enough. You can do enough. You can be enough. You you already are. The power is already there. The answers are already there. The future is already there. But if it's going to be, it's up to me. When Paul was saying Christ in you, he's using the term Messiah to accompany people who are looking for rescue to come from outside themselves. And he says you've got to wake up and realize if you're going to be delivered, it's going to have to come from within you. If you're going to be healed, it has to come from within you. If you're going to be saved, it has to come from within you. Everything you need for life, for godliness, all things have already been given to you in the form of the divine power. You just need to learn how to partake in the divine nature and wield that power for yourself. You, have to, you cannot wield power you do not own. You cannot wield a sword that you have not taken hold of. So until you can possess the power and say, The power of God is in me. The force of God is in me. The love of God is in me. The light of God is in me. The truth of God is in me. The answer to every situation is in me. The miracles are in me. The manifestations are already in me. The results are already in me. Until you own that power, you cannot wield it. To create a future for yourself. So I want to send you out of here today with so much confidence. Instead of doubting yourself, believing in yourself. Believing in yourself even if it means denying yourself. A pastor says, I'm powerful. I don't feel very powerful. She she asked, you have to fight the Antichrist. The only Antichrist you have to fight is the Antichrist in your own mind that's telling you you're less than who you are. Because the moment you realize who you are, there's no force. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you have overcome them. The only force you ever have to fight is the force of your own thinking and feeling that contradicts the reality of who you are. The biggest Satan, the only Satan, you have to fight and overcome. And the word Satan just means adversary or accuser. The only Satan you have to overcome is the Satan in between your own ears. Um. And it doesn't come by saying, I rebuke you. I bind you. It comes by by saying, you know what? I'm going to have some new thoughts about myself. And make it simple. You know, just start with, I'm powerful. I'm capable. I'm worthy. I'm enough. I don't need anybody else's validation. I don't need anybody else to believe in me if I believe in myself enough. Stop giving your power away. Why is someone else's opinion greater than yours? Why? You are the expert on yourself. And you're the one that has to live in your shoes. Whatever you're doing right now, whatever present Aaron is doing right now, is creating either problems or blessings for future Aaron. Whatever I'm doing now that's messing things up, I'm just creating, that's future Aaron's problem. Or whatever I'm doing now to create different outcomes. That's future Aaron's blessing. And I have to believe in that. And I just, you know, I've gotten to a point, I don't need people to agree with that. I don't need people to celebrate that. I don't need people to affirm that. Cause ultimately, they don't have to live in my skin. They don't have to be in my brain. So how in the world can they possibly know what's right for me? And if I'm making mistakes, if I'm creating problems for future Aaron, guess what? At least I'm the one making my own mistakes, and then I have to believe that it's so I can learn the lessons that I need to learn so that future Aaron can get himself (laughs) out of whatever present Aaron is getting him into. (laughs) Through the power of God who has given present Aaron all things. Life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. And the very same is true for you. You gotta become your own best preacher. You gotta become your own best motivator. You gotta become your own best cheerleader. Take a chance on yourself. Take a chance in believing in yourself. And guess what? When you start a new expression of who you are, all hell is going to break loose. Which is a good thing, because you don't want that hell binding you anyway. But just realize it's all part of the transition. The old has to die off before the new can come. You've got to let go of what you've had in order to take hold of what you've never had. And when when things start shaking around you and dying and falling off around you, the worst thing you can do is create resistance for yourself by trying to save it. Jesus said it this way, whoever seeks to save his life shall lose it. So the very thing you're trying to preserve by the energy you're expending trying to preserve it, you're guaranteeing, according to the words of the Master, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses his life shall save it or gain it. So if I'm putting up resistance trying to save stuff, I'm guaranteeing that I'm going to lose it anyway. How frustrating. Put forth all that energy and then lose it anyway when you could just let go and use all that energy to create what you want and to create a new future and a new reality for yourself. But ultimately, if you don't get anything else out of this, please hear this. You are enough. And don't let society or your family or some religious doctrine of devils, some antichrist spirit, make you think that you're arrogant or prideful or puffed up or thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think. The moment you start trying to lord over other people, the moment you see yourself as divine but them not, you as a child of God but them not a child of God, you as an expression of God but they're not an expression of God, that's when you get into problems. But well, when you realize I and the Father are one and every other person in the Father are one, that means we're all one, which means whatever I do to you, by the law of the universe, I'm doing to myself. So whatever, I, whatever, heart, whatever painful thing I sow against you, I'm actually going to reap against myself because we're one. So I'm putting negative energy out towards you. I'm guaranteeing that there's negative energy coming back around towards me. Believe in yourself. Take a chance on discovering maybe there's a self inside you. I mean, quit with the, quit with all the I am limiting statements. Quit with all the boxes you put yourself in. I am this, I am that. It's all limitation. Take a chance. What if there's a you you've never met? That is powerful, that is filled with love and light and truth, and harmony and peace and power and the answer to every situation. And the only reason you haven't met that self is because you keep looking outside yourself. And what if that self is an extension of the divine? And so what if the pathway to experiencing God, which so many of you are trying to do, I know, is actually found within and found by going within, not without. What if everything you need is already in you? And I can hear somebody say, Oh, that's a scary journey. I know what goes on in there. (laughs) Sometimes you have to go through hell to gain heaven. Just don't get stuck in hell. Sometimes you have to go through the valley of the shadow of death before you find the place where He's prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies and your cup runneth over and He anoints your head with oil and you dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of your life. But you're just passing through. And maybe that whole psalm is about a journey within and not a journey without. God bless you. Have a great day. I love you. Thank you for coming out and listening to me. Thank you for watching and for watching. Whatever time it is for you, I hope it's great. Bless you.